following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. Unbreakable is presented by United Auto Sales. Since 1945, United Auto Sales has been serving the greater Utica area with quality used vehicles, and they're still going strong today. Located at 4994 Commercial Drive in Yorkville, they always have the largest selection of cars, trucks, and SUVs. Stop in or visit them on the web at unitedusedcars.com. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not those of Disruption Network Productions Incorporated or any of its officials or sponsors. The following program contains explicit content. Listener's discretion is advised. The Hobbs Act is a federal law prohibiting extortion or robbery by wrongful use of force or fear, or the attempt of these crimes affecting interstate or foreign commerce. This 1946 act was originally designed to target racketeering and labor disputes, which were fairly common at that time. However, the Hobbs Act is a common statute used by federal prosecutors for public corruption or commercial disputes, but still used for cases of alleged union corruption. Whoever in any manner obstructs, delays, or affects commerce in the movement of commerce by robbery or extortion or attempts, conspires or threatens physical violence to a person or property in furtherance of a plan to do anything in violation of this statute shall be fined or imprisoned up to 20 years or both. That's what it is, Hobbs Act. It is is, uh, supposedly extortion, but they call it, the federal feds call it the Hobbs Act. I think on the Hobbs Act, too, is why the feds, took that case, is if you owned a barbershop and you were ordering your barber supplies like shampoo or whatever out of state, that's where Hobbs Act is. The reason why I'm using that is because one of the persons had a, a barbershop, but he was a bookmaker, a known bookmaker. As a matter of fact, he was granted immunity to testify against me. And I think the feds goofed off in that. They, they shouldn't have indicted me. They should have let the state indict me. Because he brought this part of the indictment, like I say, is I was shaking down somebody at a barbershop, but it had nothing to do with the barbershop. He was a bookie, and he admitted that he was a bookie during the trial. That's the Hobbs Act. And I went to trial in 1981 with another person, and we both got acquitted. Like, so you're going into this barbershop. How are you approaching this gentleman? I was approaching him like a gentleman, I guess. He, Did uh, you have techniques? Though? He was a bookmaker. So I went in there. I said, look, you got to pay a little street tax. You're bookmaking. Because all you fucking guys that are bookmakers, when you're getting problems, people owe you fucking money, and they bang you over the head with something, you come to us. So give us a little, and give us a little street tax. And, and it's true, because, listen, I had bookmakers come to me and say, Danny, could you help me out? Joe Blow owes me 10000 Did you get it for me? You know, when you're on the street and you have a reputation, you're half a wise guy, and, you know, you got acquitted of uh, murders, people think twice and fuck with you. The DA's office, I would give the lawyer a list of the jurors, okay? Now, he had the list. Some lawyers doesn't come around, so you know anybody on this list? Yeah, I know Z. He's on this jury. I know the guy. Did you talk with Z? And that's how they used to do it. If you know somebody on the jury, to get somebody to talk to you, look, so-and-so's going on trial. He's a nice kid. You wouldn't threaten him, you know. Most of the time, they would take money. That's the whole thing. Everybody's got a price, right? Well, either a price or they like doing favors. Whereas they know that someday you can do them a good favor. The best thing is I got to tell you is this. Now, the guy's still around, but he's... uh, No, I won't say his name, but he was on trial with that Hobbs Act, right? He turned out to be what they call a hostile witness. He was a government witness against me and my partner on the case. So the prosecutor was trying to make him say something. 
Like, you know, Danny Nappy, yes. Was he in your business? Yes. Did you give him money? Yes. Now, remember, he had, he had immunity. He was a bookmaker. Well, the prosecutor was uh, saying, yeah, I gave him money. How much money did you give him? He mentioned how much he gave me. Why did you give him money? He says, because he wasn't supposed to say this. He was supposed to say, I come in this building, in this business, and I shook him down. That's what he was supposed to say. But he said the truth. He said, I'm a bookmaker. He come in, he bet me, I owed him so much money, and he gave me the money. The prosecutor didn't like that, and he kept on pushing his witness, his witness. So he turns around, he looks at the jury, he says, hey, I'm a fucking nut. I don't even know why I'm here. Right away, the prosecutor calls for recess. They took him out, and there's the FBI going in the hallway, you know, you see him. That isn't the reason why I got acquitted. The reason why I got acquitted, because they had no fucking case. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Joey's at 307. Joey's at 307 is the Utica area's best for Italian fine dining. Located at 307 Mohawk Street in East Utica. Enjoy a revolving dinner menu, amazing seafood dishes, classic Utica Italian dishes, lunch specials, catering, and now serving beer and wine. Call them today to reserve a table at 315 315- 864-3527. Joey's at 307. You're going to love it. Go through Tiki Toy. You know, I never did go through Tiki Toy. You want to know about yeah. Tiki Toy? Yeah, yeah. Tiki Toy was a Chinese restaurant on Charlotte Street many years ago. It was there. Matter of fact, the Chinese guy that ran it was a nice guy. His, him and his family ran it. It was the best Chinese food around. It was. Believe me, it was. There was this particular guy that guess who owned the business there. I remember there was a Chinese laundry there. Then the guy, I, I don't know if he was in partner with the Chinese guy or what. He was a bookmaker. And he had to pay. Nothing to do with, the, again, nothing to go do with the Chinese guy, the business, that business. The bookmaking business. Like the street tax business. Yeah, I went into him. I never had to hurt him. I never threatened him. Because along the line, somewhere along the line, somebody went to his house and gave him a bad beating. A bad beating. Did they beat him because he wasn't paying you guys? No, they went in his house to, to shake him down. They thought he had a stash in the house. And they gave him a beating. Did they find the stash? I don't know. You don't know? I don't think they would tell you if it would go sure? on the street. <laughs> There's other guys that come after you. What's a normal street tax? Like, what's the percentage? Here's how the percentage. We'd, we'd watch you. We, we would know. If you're a bookmaker, we would know about how much money you're taking in in a week or a month. We'd know. We go on what we know that you're making, and we go in with a, with a percentage. That's how we used to do it. Some people would just go out and say, I want half of your fucking business. You know, they would do it crude and go on half, half of the business. So if they owe you Or luck. some people walk right in. Let me tell you something. Here's another story. You know, you get my mind going. There was a Ziganet years ago. Ziganet game. It's cards drawn out of a box when they bet on the cards. Okay. The old man retired that had that game. Another guy took it over. He was a bookmaker, but he took that game over. I wanted the fucking game. All right? So I got permission to go in there and get the game. I called him outside the place in an alleyway, and I said, the Ziganet game is mine now. It was easy as that. He was booking, I said, I'll let your book out of here, but the Ziganet game is mine. I mean, you could do things like that too. When I got him in the alleyway, I had a jacket on, I had a gun tucked into my uh, waistband, and I made sure my jacket was open so he could see the gun. 
But it, it was not only the gun, it was your reputation again. But I was, I did it nice. I let him have his fucking bookmaking thing, and I took over the Ziggurat. And after the Ziggurat, I had a blackjack going in there in that wood, and I had one down on Bleecker Street, lunch, uh, victory lunch. And I had about three blackjack games going, 24-7. If, they, if, if there were people playing, they would stay over 24-7, they would play. How did you decide which game to watch over? If you had three of them going, watch all over all of them. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't trust nobody. Yeah, but you remember, I had dealers in the game, and I, I, you know, I used to pay them. You got to watch those games. I'll tell you why you have to watch those games. There's guys that could, they, they come in and try to cheat. In all my games, I didn't want any alcohol in, in the games. Nobody's got it. Nobody ever fucking drank. It came to those games. They were drunk. They played in there, because you know what that did. They lose, they get juice balls, and they're going to fucking start beating everybody up. No, I wouldn't allow that. But I always had a little something there, a little, little buffet, cold cuts and coffee thing for the guys. Because some of those guys would stay up 24 hours. They were degenerate gamblers. They would sneak out of the house with their pajamas on in the middle of winter with an overcoat and galoshes and a hat. They come down there and take their overcoat off and pajamas. How the fuck did you do that? Well, I told my wife that I had to go buy milk. Three o'clock in the fucking morning, you and your wife are the only ones living there. You know, the excuses. Gambling is like a junkie. It's like an alcoholic thing, too. You know, guys get pissed over, try to, pissed off, try to turn the table over, you know. That's why you have to be there. If you're a no-nonsense guy, they ain't gonna fuck with you. There was one game that somebody robbed the fucking game when I wasn't there. You know, and I had to approach the guy. He was barred from every game after that. So some guy comes into your game. And tries to rob your game. Right, he robbed it. He did rob he it. He shot off a bullet and went through the fucking wall. Zealand, people were living upstairs at the time. And I had to go after What if I, I got to let him rob my fucking game? You know, I, I, I went after the guy, I got to just tell you this. It was straightened out. He couldn't come to any fucking game. It was straightened out. That guy was, was he a connected guy or? No. No? He, I think he was a junkie. Let me tell you about my man, Joe Steets. My man, Joe. Joe's a good man. There's another kid. You know what? He's a good kid, and uh, Danny will attest to this. His son is good, too. Got a nice son there. They're good business people. United Auto, that's the place to go for cars. He worked his ass off, Joe. He had that place a long time, right? United, yeah. Since his father passed. And he gives good people a good deal. Joe Steets don't hit nobody over the head. He's an honest, straight guy. He'll buy boats, to take boats for trading, RVs, everything. Please visit their website at unitedusecars.com. The guy bought, again, in my joint, a blackjack game. He borrowed $500 for me. I said, I'm going to give it to you with no juice. But I said, I want it back in two weeks. You need more time? No, 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 I'll give it to you two weeks. He never gave it to me. So I'm looking for him. He's... Five years old, Danny. Maybe yeah, five or six years old. He's in the car. Now I spot this guy on Bleecker Street. And I pull over. And I take him purposely because as a little boy, the whole candy counter, he could have everything. So I said, take anything you want out of the candy counter. And I go in the back room and figure he won't, he won't follow me. So I see the guy and everything. And I'm going like this to him. I didn't have to slap him. I got the 500. Lucky he had the 500. I got the 500. Bring him home. Two days later, his mother says, uh, your son says when you get mad, your nose gets all red. 
he told his mother that he wasn't paying, and he saw me yelling at this guy. It was a funny thing. They subpoenaed maybe 30 of them or 20 of them to a federal grand jury in Syracuse, New York. And that's, out of all the guys, there was only three of them that really testified. The other guy said, no, I didn't give him any money, you know. They tried to scare him, but uh, those three, uh, two of them went to trial against us. <laughs> a lot of balls that go to trial against you. Um, I'm, as I'm looking at your uh, Freedom of Information papers, right here they have like a whole bunch of phone numbers recorded in the book, right? Yeah, let me tell you about that. Yeah. Could I see that? Yeah, of course. Okay. We'll talk about a prick cop. I think I got pinched on a Hobbs Act. I'm in the Utica Police Department. I had my telephone book with me. All right. The feds overlooked it. They were there. But this Utica Police guy, I knew him maybe 30, 40 fucking years, said, look, look, here's his book. Give it to the feds. I mean, this is what you got. Is this incriminator? nothing. But being that I know him, I knew his family and everybody else. You want to give the what the fuck business is with you? They pinched me, not you, but you want to be the fucking good guy. And guess what? He's still fucking living. And he knows who he is. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Stathis Greek Restaurant. Gyros, platters, moussaka. If you're looking for the best authentic Greek in town, we've got you covered. Come visit us at 1900 Genesee Street, Utica, or call 315-624-0323. And keep an eye on our Facebook page to watch our Rome location take shape. I had one of the listeners reach out to us through social media that asked a, you know, question. Did you know of or know Paul DeCoco of Schenectady, Albany, New York? Yes. If you were OC, then you had to have known of him. No, he was I know the, the brothers. There were two brothers before you go on. Yeah. Two brothers, they had a little diner. They were both involved. They were good guys. They were wise guys. Big in bookmaking. I had numerous sit-downs with them. You want me to tell you a nice story about that? You want to hear a story? Freddie Camaldi Jr. Now, there's three Freddie Camaldi's. The old man, the original. Then there's Freddie. He just passed away. And then there's his son. Decides to open up a restaurant, build a restaurant in Colony, New York. Nice restaurant. They get the restaurant built and uh, something to do with the blacktop of, of the whole parking lot up there. Somebody was putting up a sign before the, even the restaurant was open. Mafia joint, it was going to be a mafia joint, this joint, that joint. Huh? Like a protester. Yeah. I was a protester? Yeah. Yeah, like protesting. Somebody was jealous or didn't want to have the operation. They put the gaff on gaff. They put the screws on him. He couldn't get that parking lot built. I got called up for Freddie up there. He asked me if I could help him out. I went to the Coco Brothers. Maybe you think I don't have juice in uh, Rochester, but I may know somebody, you know. So I went to them. I said, somebody's fucking around with this restaurant. They're putting fucking signs up. It's a mafia joint, this, that, and everything. I said, they can't, can't get a parking lot in there? It was squashed. He got the joint open. Freddie treated me very well on that joint. So, and, but before that, Danny, I uh, knew the, the Coco Brothers through Augie. Remember we used to... Fix races and uh, mm-hmm. be bookmakers from the 60s, I know those guys. Did he ever tell you the Invisible Ink story on the horse racing? The guy in the telephone pole, we didn't we didn't do that first series. No, the one that he told me that they used to hold back the horses. 
Yeah, that was fixing the That was the fixing the races. But what's with the... There was other ways of beating bookmakers <laughs> back then, but if you hung around, you were a bookmaker, and I uh, wanted to beat you. Sometimes when you were out of the joint and nobody was around, we fixed the clock, so it was <laughs> behind. Either way it went. So in other words, when the race went off at 1 o'clock, we knew the winner at 5 after 1. We could go into your store, in your place, and beat you. You look at the clock, it's five of one. Because you don't know who you are. <laughs> and we put in a fucking bet. And, and back in the day, once you take a bet, you got to pay. They call it pass post, pass post. But Augie was a genius. He's still living. I saw him today in his car. A lack of technology. Yeah. And nothing was in real time to be able to do a lot of things that they did. What's the invisible ink? Okay, if I can explain it right. I come in on a horse race and I bet a certain horse, okay? And there's what they call an if bet. If that horse wins, if, put it on this horse, okay? But you already would know, it's very complicated for me. It was an invisible ink that when I give you, the, the horse was already there. We know I already knew the winner. But when you took the bet, you didn't see it on the paper. Because we, we used to write on paper. You didn't see it on the paper. So now after the races are over, you see it's boom. It came out like Z in the fourth race. It was out. We already knew the, the winner. That's what the invisible is. I remember we used to go to New York and Manhattan. I don't know the name of the place. We used to, this uh, old timer. That's where we used to get the ink. I used to get the cloths for crap tables. You know, I used to get them in New York. What, what was special about this cloth? Well, I'd like to have just green cloth. There was nothing special. I had okay. a crap can. We built a, the, you know, the crap mm-hmm. table looks like. We used to build our own. I don't know if it was a special kind of cloth or something that would. Like a green uh, dice throne, the green where you play cards on. Well, that's all. Mm-hmm. We were able to get a lot of stuff out of New York. Did you ever run numbers? My friend did, and I used to collect for him. Uh-huh. If, I had the, if he had a beef, I used to. How would they pull the numbers? The three out of out of the post or the daily news, the three daily numbers, I guess, were the numbers that won. You used to run around to all these different houses and businesses to collect some money, and they put. No, the, they had runner. They had runners. They and had each, runners. each neighborhood had a runner. You know, he would collect at certain times. After certain times, you couldn't put the number in, and, and then they used to turn in the money for the day. And you would collect on people that wouldn't pay? I used to collect if, the, if one of the runners went bad, I used to go after them. You're responsible for it. I could tell you a story, but it's about a guy that's, that was a runner and his girlfriend. They sent me, uh, he was a runner. He beat him for a lot of money that day. Then he disappeared. And uh, they asked if I could locate the runner. And I didn't locate the runner, but I located his girlfriend. After a few minutes, she told me where he was. He was in Syracuse. He was in a certain hotel. So he not only beat these people out of the money for the for the numbers, he robbed somebody. The cops were on to him. They went into the hotel to get him. He had a gun. They killed him. The cops killed him because he, he drew a gun at him. So I never got my money, and I never got him. Cops got him before you did, huh? Well, I wasn't going to do that to him. I was Rough him up a lot. Just bring him back to the Utica and let him deal with those people, you know what I'm saying.
Unbreakable is sponsored by United Auto Sales, Joey's at 307, and Stathis Greek Restaurant. Executive Producer, Danny Nappy Jr. and Anthony Z. Donaldson. Legal Advice, Christopher Jude Pelly and David Longaretta. Artwork by Jerry Bernardo. Consultants, Gabe Altamuro, Todd Williams, and Adeline Van Dyke. Social Media Marketing, Christy Schleider. And I'm your narrator, Anthony Colenzo. We'd like to give a special thanks to Lisa Wilsey and J. Anthony Stucci. This has been a Disruption Networks production. All rights reserved, 2022.